When you're in the market for a new car, you want a vehicle that conquers your daily commute, easily handles the elements, and looks great too. You need the reliability of a Toyota and the confidence that your investment will last. Why? Because after all the carpools, shopping trips, and weekends out, you want a car that still has plenty of miles left in it and holds its value for a great trade-in deal. That's where Toyota leads the pack as the number one resale value brand for 2024, according to Kelly Blue Book's KBB.com. So check out the all-new, fully redesigned 2025 Camry or test drive a stylish and affordable Corolla sedan or hatchback. And remember, when you choose Toyota, you're not just buying a car for today, you're investing in trade-in value for tomorrow. Visit buyatoyota.com, the official website for deals, for more. Vehicles projected resale value is specific to the 2024 model year. For more information, visit kellybluebookskbb.com. Kelly Blue Book is a registered trademark of Kelly Blue Book Company, Incorporated. Toyota, let's go places. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast that gives you strategies and tips for how to build happier habits into your daily life. This week, we'll talk about why you should step off a cliff and have a conversation with the award-winning poet and author, Ross Gay. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister Elizabeth Kraft, my co-host, and sometimes my happiness guinea pig. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And Gretch, I have to tell you, I have not great news today about the fix. Ah, let us hear it. We got canceled. Oh. Uh, Yes. Many of our listeners have probably already heard, but we did not get a season two. And, um, of course, I've been bummed and wallowing. Um, But that is very Hollywood, you know. So, um, yes. I am dusting off and preparing to move on. But anyway, I want to thank everybody for watching. And like we had such support and such cheerleading. So um, it was an amazing experience. Getting a show on the air at all is, you know, a Herculean task. So I'm happy we had our one season and it wraps up um, beautifully. So, um, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Well, it's funny because in the introduction to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast you, that, that you do with your writing partner, Sarah Fain, you guys say it's the war of attrition that is life yes. in Los Angeles. And this yes. is just part of it. It's like you have to have that yes. resilience to come back because yeah. it's like things happen, things go your way, they don't go your way. Nothing's as easy as it should be. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And if anybody wants to hear us chronicle <laughs> what we do now, yes. um, we'll be covering it all in detail on Happier in Hollywood. We said at least we're going to get a lot of podcast segments <laughs> yes. out of this. 
Upside. Lots of lots of content from well, this. Well, it's experience. interesting because on my book tour, so many people were talking to me um, with such excitement about how uh, interested they were in all the twists and turns and the fix. So I know it was really resonating with people. That's so nice to hear. I love it. Yeah. Um, and we want to remind everybody, Gretchen, about the book club. Yes. We picked our next book, um, and we're so excited about it. It's called Small Fry by Lisa Brennan Jobs. Yes, uh, we will be discussing this book in mid-July, um, exact date uh, we will announce soon. We will be talking to Lisa Brendan Jobs here in the studio with us. And um, it is it is a wonderful book. It's really about parents and children and families. And um, it's beautifully written. Uh, we both, you, you read it and loved it right away and told me to read it um, right away. So I did. And we think it's, it's really going to be a wonderful conversation. Yes, can't wait. So, Elizabeth, this week, our Try This at Home tip is to step off the cliff. This is when you are facing one of those situations where you really can't properly prepare, <laughs> um, where you just have to go for it and do something without a net. Um, because sometimes we face big challenges and we really can't 100% prepare for them. Yes. And Gretchen, you and I just did this. Yes. We stepped off the cliff when we filmed your pledge show for PBS. Yes. It felt so bold and brave and scary to do it. Um, we just had to kind of like say, okay, we're we're doing this. This is happening. Um, we're, 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 we're plunging forward. Into the world of television, yeah, yeah, yeah. on-camera television. Yeah. Uh, different for me. But let's yeah. explain to everyone, Gretchen, exactly what we did. Yeah. So really, you did it, and I just popped in. I had the easy part. Well, no, but you you were like, but you were essential to it, and it was so great that we did it together. So what we did is we filmed a public television pledge show with WETA, which is the station in Washington D.C. and that 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 area. Um, and so if you've watched public TV, which I'm sure you have, you know they have programs um, during their pledge drives where they're encouraging people to um, support the show, support public television. Um, and so they, uh, Grace Cutler, who's fantastic, um, asked me to do it um, and wanted Elizabeth to be there too, to give us this mm -hmm. kind of vitality and engagement and conversation, um, to do an overview of sort of all my work on happiness, good habits, and the four tendencies. Yeah, and we had an audience yeah. um, and they were great. Yeah. Uh, but there were many new things that you yes. and I had to deal with. Like I had never done anything for television at all. So you you have done some stuff for television, but you had never used a teleprompter. Uh, yeah, and IFB earpiece, which is like when you see news anchors when they have that thing in yeah. their ear and sometimes people talk to them. Like neither one of us had ever done that before. That, no. I have to say, that was one thing where I thought that would be really, really, really hard. And that ended up not being that hard. That turns out yeah. to be a lot easier than it looks, surprisingly. Usually things are harder than they look. That was easier than it looked. Uh, the teleprompter was hard because we wanted to be looking at each other, not yes. at the teleprompter. So we kind of ended up just not, or I didn't end up using it really at all. Yeah, and then we had a live audience. And so that changes the the kind of the dynamic because when we rehearsed, there was no there were no people there. And then all of a sudden it's right. like, oh, all these people are there. <laughs> and it was multi-camera. So that also means like knowing where, which to you probably is something that you're very familiar with, but I have done things on TV, but usually it's just with one camera or like, I don't, or, or they're like, just don't, just talk to the person. Don't even worry about the cameras. Right, right. I never had to think about, look at this camera, look at that camera. Yeah. And we just... I mean, we we did rehearse, um, and everybody was super nice and super supportive and, like, very, very helpful. But 
I think if you and I had been left to our own devices, we would have done like massive, massive, massive rehearsal and preparation. It just wasn't possible. It was like, this is this is yeah. the time that we have. This is what we're doing. Keep it together. And do yeah, your well, it's best. that thing where you just have to kind of walk forward yes. and just uh, assume that there will, you know, be a road in front of you yes. in terms of the stepping off the cliff. It's like, we were just assuming it would turn out okay. Well, one of the, and that was scary. That was one thing. But in, I think at least, I think for us, one of the things that made it easier to step off the cliff, which sometimes you don't have the luxury of, is that we were together. And yes. I, I kind of picture that that if you if you know the old movie, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids, there's this famous image of the two of them literally like holding hands and jumping off a cliff. And that's how I kind of picture us. And so for me, it was hugely comforting that you were there. Like we would hang out before and after, like we could, uh, and, and we had this feeling like I've got your back. And a lot of times when you step off a cliff, part of what makes it challenging is that you're doing it by yourself. And we were in the rare, um, lucky situation of where we were really there together. And probably of everyone in my life, at least, because I work by myself, like working with you hmm. is the most comfortable, most reassuring, most automatic, most unspoken relationship. So that made this, this particular cliff a, a little bit less intimidating. Yeah, and I would tell people if they're stepping off a cliff, even if you don't have your sister with you, it would be good to like point, find a buddy. You know, usually if you're doing something, there's like other people around and you could always say like, hey, this is the first time I'm doing yeah. this. Can I can I lean on you? You yeah. know, and I think people are very receptive to that. Yeah, right. If you're like, can you can you fill me in on how this works or help me prepare in some way or yeah, somehow support me. Um, well, one of the things that we we reminded our, ourselves of while we were doing it was that happiness doesn't always make you feel happy and that the yes. atmosphere of growth, which this was like a dramatic moment of atmosphere of growth. And afterward, yeah. we felt exhilarated and amazing. And like we had, it was fantastic feeling of having jumped off that cliff. Um, but in the moment, it's intimidating and and kind of scary. But you know what is interesting, though? And I always I reminded myself of this when I took the bar exam, is that one thing that's comforting me, to me to realize is that in the moment when you are doing something very difficult and stressful, mm. your emotions will vanish and you will be so focused on what you're doing that you won't be having often negative or positive emotions because you'll just be concentrating on what's happening. Yes. So it's very anticipatory. And then you're, and I kind of kept thinking like, once we go over there and we're like, getting our makeup done, we will mm -hmm. cease to feel anxious because we will just be right. like, what the heck do we do next? Where do I go? What do I do? What does this mean? Um, yes. And that's kind of comforting to remember that you're, it's not like it's going to amplify, amplify, amplify throughout the whole experience. Yeah, that's how it was when I had my fibroid surgery. Once I was actually checked into the hospital, like it, it, it was just moving forward. Yes. It was the anticipation. You're just handling was, it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, but Gretchen, what I love about this is that you stated on the podcast yes. that you wanted to do TV. Yes. Um, and Grace was listening and she said, oh, well, I could do something about that. Yes, I know. It's a good example. Like it felt very intimidating and, uh, I felt very reluctant in a way to put my big desire into words and to say it out loud. Um, but it never hurts and it often helps. And it, like this case, it's like one of these magical examples where I like put it out into the world and Grace was like, hey, that's an interesting idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
Gretchen, one reason to step off a cliff, um, as you're saying, is because of the euphoria you feel afterward when yes. you survive. Like, <laughs> I posted on Instagram a picture of you, like, laying on the floor, um, like, as if you were on a piano, like, over your um, road and a map to happiness yes. emblem. Yes. Um, and everybody was commenting, like, this is such a non-Gretchen photo. She's so, like, silly. And, you know, it's yeah. just, you're usually more put together yeah. or you will not, not put together. You're usually just a little more formal than that. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're usually not lying on the ground. Yeah. Um, and it was because we were so giddy about being done yeah. with the, the, the taping that we were just like, you know, in an altered state. Yes. Well, one of the things is the ta-da list. You know, there was sort of like, ta-da, and we wanted to mark it with some kind of things. And so one of the things is if you jump off a cliff is really give yourself that gold star, allow yourself to have the ritual of completion or check it off your ta-da list or, you know, really feel that moment um, instead of just rushing past it and rushing forward. Like, oh, I jumped off this cliff. Now maybe there's another cliff I got to jump off of. Yes. Bask in your, bask in your task completed. Um, but I do think like if you're not willing to jump off a cliff, sometimes it's just you're going to just kind of stay where you are. You just got to yeah. do it. Yeah. Well, I think another thing that helped us is that um, the hotel right where we were staying in the hotel and the studio had this great walking path in Virginia. Yes. And you were already working on your number six um, for your yes. motto for the year. And we went on these really long walks. And first of all, it helped us sort of talk and process what we were going mm-hmm. through. I think it helped us calm down um, when we were sort of kind of keyed up. And I think it also helped us sleep. Um, and mm-hmm. so I think those long walks were a really good way because our cliff was slightly yeah. extended. It lasted for yes, a couple it was days. Over, yes, yes. Because yes. yes, there was a rehearsal day. There was like the day we showed up and kind of looked at everything. Then there was the rehearsal day. Um, at the WETA studios. And then there was the actual day with the live audience and all that. And and then and then it was like roadmap to happiness. And so we were seeing the graphics and like, this is what's going to happen. And so it was like at every step, there was new stuff to take in and process. And I think those long walks, um, I think if you are in a situation like that, getting exercise, being out in the fresh yeah. air, getting the light in your face um, can help you manage it physically. Yeah. My next jumping off the cliff has to be my adult dinner party. That's on my 19 for 19. Oh, yes. Now that I've done TV, I need to have a dinner party. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> um, so anyone, if you want to see clips of this, of this blood show, you will see Elizabeth and me. You will see what we ended up wearing because, Elizabeth, you and I both went into it with a favorite outfit. And yes. neither favorite outfit of ours worked. So we were like on plan B or plan C. We had to yeah. bring, we had to yeah. bring uh, so you'll see what we wore. You'll see how we're doing with the teleprompter and the earpiece. You can see clips if you go to pbs.org slash Gretchen Rubin and you check your local listings. The pledge season is the first two weeks of June. If you're only listening to the podcast and you don't even know what Elizabeth and I look like, um, you can Mm. watch these clips. And um, you can watch the full show live um, by checking your local listings or asking at your local PBS station if they will be airing it. Um, All the information is at pbs.org slash Gretchen Rubin. It's so fun to watch us, Gretch. And I know <laughs> next time we're on TV, we're going to be even better. Yes, 100%. Absolutely. Um, I'll put links to all this in the show notes, of course. Um, and as always, um, and let us know how you tried this at home and how jumping off your cliff, whatever your cliff is, worked for you and what it was. Let us know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Or as always, you can go to the show notes for this episode, happiercast.com slash 223 
for uh, links uh, to PBS clips and everything related to this episode. And speaking of show notes, um, just want to remind everyone, you can always find info about codes um, for our advertisers and um, reminders of, of, of what it was by going to show notes for the episode and scrolling down to the end to the thanks to our sponsor section. Yes. Um, and we will be back after this advertising break. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. I now work with a team, and I am here to say that finding the right candidate and hiring the right candidate is one of the very biggest and most important challenges to anyone who has a small business. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. There are some stories about our father's life that I truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, his retelling of the events always brings me joy. Just in time for Father's Day, I found the perfect gift that captures all his stories for our family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your father or father figure's life for years to come. And Gretch, you get a book of all these stories. And I love just keeping a book on the coffee table and anyone from any generation can see a story from dad, like what was his favorite toy or what was his first job? Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. Give all the fathers in your life a unique, heartfelt gift you'll all cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to StoryWorth.com slash happier. That's StoryWorth.com slash happier to save $10 on your first purchase. So, Alyssa, this is a happiness hack that I encountered during my book tour. Um, and the hack is to write the opposite of a to-do list. Um, and so it was suggest suggested to me by a listener who showed me how she had taken a pad of paper um, that said at the top, to-do list, and she had inserted the word um, not. So it said not to-do list. And the idea is, is that if there is something like the fix gets canceled or you're leave, you're you know you're leaving your job or something that you think about all the things now that you do not have to do because there's every it's like the silver lining yeah, exactly exactly because it's very fun to think about well there's all the things that I had to do and now I don't have to do them yeah, well, it is timely for me, uh, Gretchen, the not-to-do list. Yes. Um, like, when I think about this, I at least don't have this immediate grinding pressure that I would have had if yes. the fix had, you know, been picked up. As thrilled as I would have been. Yeah. I don't have to worry about casting for, like, this season's big guest star roles because, you know, casting is a long, difficult process. Yeah. I don't have to worry about um, coming up with, like, a 
15 huge twists. Yes, I know. The, the fix has so many twists. There will twists. be no more twists. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. have to. So there are things that as much as I would have loved to have a season two, um, if I write down what I don't have to do, it could make me feel a little better. Yeah, I think it's just one of these ways of looking for the silver lining or reminding you that um, even when there's a big disappointment or a big hurdle, there are things about it that you will enjoy. A not-to-do yes. list. I would love to know if other listeners have made not-to-do lists because I think this is, mm. I, I mean, it seems pretty obvious, but I, I literally had never thought about it. And um, I want to add this to my arsenal of things to deal with because I think <laughs> it's a great idea, a great way to reframe. Yes, you know, I love reframing. Yes, that you love to reframe. Um, and now we are very excited to do an interview with Ross Gay. Um, Ross Gay is an American poet and professor. He's the author of three books of poetry, which have um, great titles, Against Which, Bringing the Shovel Down, and Catalog of Unabashed Gratitude. He's the winner of many awards, including the 2015 National Book Critics Circle Award and the 2016 Kingsley Tufts Poetry Award. He teaches at Indiana University. Ross has a new book that has hit the shelves. It's a collection of essays, The Book of Delights. What an absolutely compelling, irresistible <laughs> title. Yes. Recently, the American Booksellers Association put the book on its influential indie next list. This is a collection of short essays from a paragraph to several pages that record the small joys and delights that happened over the course of a single year. It's funny, thought-provoking, meditative. The book really captures a wide range of moods and atmospheres. And we're talking to Ross today. He is in Bloomington, Indiana, joining us by the magic of technology. Hi, Ross. Hey, how are you doing? Hi. Hey. Thanks hey, so much for now, talking to us today. Yeah, I'm glad to be with you. Now, Ross, you wrote um, in this book 102 very short essays, and we want to know what attracted you to that form, because often you write poetry. Yeah, you know, it's uh, I have been writing a, a bit more nonfiction in the last bunch of years, but it was also just very clear to me, like, when I got the idea to write the book, it just, the idea of writing um, something every single day for a year, which I almost did, I couldn't, I couldn't actually write a poem every day for a year. Like mm. poems don't work for me that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so it was kind of like a, it just made sense. And it was also just, it came to me like, these are going to be essays, you know? Right. Well, it's interesting because I did a book, The Happiness Project, yeah. that was about a year too. Yeah. And, and you picked a year and you picked a birthday year, your mm -hmm. 42nd year. Um, what, why do you think we do have this feeling about um, a year, about a birthday year, like, what 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 is it about that? Because it really does seem that we off that we're very attracted to that structure. Yeah, yeah. It happened that I the idea sort of came to me probably in mid July, and my birthday is August first. <laughs> so really, cause I, I had the idea, and I was like, well, what would be uh, like a good structure to do it? Uh, a, yeah. You know, a year structure seemed right, and that, I mean, that feels like a to do something for a year feels like a kind of it's like an undertaking and. Mm -hmm. And it also feels probably like um, in my introduction, I write about the idea of like a discipline or a practice, which is the word I'm more mm -hmm. inclined to use, a practice. When you do something for a year, it feels like you have to sort of really engage in a thing as a practice. Um, but, but yeah, the fact of it being close to my, having the idea close to my birthday made a kind of formal sense. Like, oh, I could just start on my birthday. Right. 
Right. I wonder, mm-hmm. do you know the book, uh, Jan Morris just published a book called In My Mind's Eye, A Thought Diary? No. Which is, oh, it's very much the same. For oh, a year, she, yeah, she wrote, uh, I don't think, you 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 came a lot closer to every day than she did. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was the same idea of like sort of a a daily check-in on what are you thinking about and a, a different way of approaching writing and, and sort of how time progresses and how our thoughts evolve over time. And oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to know, Ross, um, once the year was up, did you keep writing a lot of um, essays about what delighted you? Or were you like, okay, that year is done. Like, I'm no, more done with this. <laughs> no more delight. No more delight. Now I can just, I can just wallow in misery. <laughs> no, you know, it's, it's neat because the book, um, it taught me a lot of things. I mean, it, it, over the course of the year, I feel like I became, I started writing better sentences. And, and so I, in a way, mm. I feel like I became a better prose writer from, mm. from all the practice. Yeah. But also the deeper practice of attending to what I love and to sort of realizing that that feels like a really good vocation. I mean, I became, I became aware of that, um, attending to what I love or maybe more precisely like what is this question of what is joy? And so, you know, my, I'm not writing every day, like, you know, little essays about what, you know, delights me, but I'm bringing a kind of sense of like, how does this thing that I'm inquiring about relate to this larger question of how do we more deeply connect with one another? How do we sort of see or experience the illumination that occurs when we are connected deeply to one another? Because I feel like that's sort of what I... I, again and again, I was returning to in the delights, like how often I was, you know, it, it was radiant, how the tenderness between people or how the sweetness between people could be, would just, would fill me with delight, you know, witnessing it or experiencing it. Anyhow, so it's sort of that, that desire and that sort of vision, I think, is, is absolutely going to inform the rest of the work that I do. You mean just sort of by always looking for instances of it in your daily life, it sort of made you more attuned to it and more more sensitive to it, and that's kind of changing your your perspective going forward because you sort of were in the practice. Uh, it's kind of like a gratitude journal. I think people, it, it's meant to sort of make sure that you are not forgetting to notice certain um, delightful aspects of life because you you know you're overlooking them or not paying enough attention to them yeah and that what everything that i'm writing i think is ultimately for the purpose of mm. you know bringing that to light for toward the end of illuminating our connection you know no matter what it is that i'm writing that, that's that's i i think i think that's sort of a thing that i learned well, the book came out in, in February, so it's been out um, several months. What What are the the specific essays or li- the larger ideas that you feel like people are responding to the most? Are you surprised by that? Is it is it not a surprise? What's kind of hitting, what's striking a chord with your readers? I mean, it is definitely people get excited about just the idea of, of studying delight, studying what delights you. <laughs> it's you such a wonderful that, word. It's an yeah. underused yes. word. It's, it's a an delightful. underused word. I know, yes. I know. And it was funny yeah. because I had never looked the word up. Um, oh. and yeah, I didn't. And I am kind of a guy who like looks at etymologies of words and stuff. And, 
a, a friend of mine sent me a, a card on my birthday sort of telling me what the etymology of delight was on the last day that I was writing the book. And I thought, okay. oh, that's funny. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, for sure, people get very excited about that. People get sort of, um, you, know, I'm, you know, I'm surprised again and again by some of the essays that people respond to that I, you know, there's enough of them that I'm sort of like, I have ones that I anticipate people mm-hmm. really responding mm-hmm. to, but then someone will tell me, oh, this one really moved me, or I had to put the book down after that one. It feels like people love the idea that you're giving them permission to take delight. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's okay to like be happy. Yeah. I think sometimes it feels like we should be consumed by what we need to do or have to do. And it, it can feel sort of like you can feel guilty to take time out to enjoy the little things. Maybe part of that was I was thinking about this sense that can it can feel sometimes that you know that joy or delight say or or the bigger question to me is joy is not rigorous, um, mm-hmm. but to me it's absolutely rigorous. Um, mm-hmm. It's absolutely joy itself. When and when I think of joy, I, I think of like adult joy, meaning to be in the presence of our most profound sorrow and our most profound. Um, delight at the same time. Like they are not, they are Mm. not separate from one another and they are probably actually mutually constitutive, you know, and that that is a rigorous sensibility Mm. and it is not easy to do. And you have to practice (laughs) and you have to practice with other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, Robert Louis Stevenson has a line that I love and he said, there is no duty we so much underrate as the duty of being happy. Mm. And I'm like, that's such an interesting idea of the duty of being happy. What does he mean by that? Um, it is this rigor. You know, yeah. it's not, it seems like it's the easy way. Is it the easy way? Often not. Yeah, I don't think so. Well, here's a process question. Because um, I think many people are sort of pulled in multiple directions in their work life. And so you're a professor. Um, that's a demanding profession. Um, how do you balance sort of the responsibilities of teaching and doing that kind of work with your own creative work, which prob- I would imagine feels very different. How do you balance those? You know, they don't feel very different. And they don't. <laughs> Interesting. No. And I feel like that's part of the becoming a better teacher, hopefully, <gasps> over the years, thinking hard about being <sighs> a teacher, is how to make my teaching kind of really, truly feed my writing. And, mm. um, and I feel like I'm getting pretty good at that. So that, you know, like in very simple ways that things that my students, I have my students do, I also do. Or, you know, I was, I taught a quote unquote taught a class. We, we had a class. I mean, I was the, the teacher of record, but it felt like we were all teaching a class <laughs> last semester. <laughs> and, um, and it was one of the most beautiful classes of my life. But part of it was like, we were engaged in this sort of deep, mutual, non-coercive, um, non-evaluative conversation about all the work that we were making over the course of the semester. So it was just like we were getting together, we were doing things, and we were talking about them. But we weren't, mm. you know, you know, I wasn't even thinking about grades. There was nothing like that. We were like getting together in like a, in a it was more like a, um, like a lab or something. Mm. So you feel like instead of trying to balance them, you try to combine them so that so there is no conflict or there's no tension between those things. Yeah, because it feels like very much the same work. I mean, like mm. when I'm writing, there's an act of reaching toward a reader, reaching toward myself and reaching toward a reader. When I'm teaching, it's the same thing. I'm reaching toward oh, myself and I'm reaching yes. toward my students. So trying to yes. figure out how those things can just 
be together as much as possible. That's it's like a fun thing, you know. So I love. I mean, I love teaching, and it's a it's a great and lucky job for me. And Ross, um, you said that you wrote um, these essays by hand, which I think not very many people write by hand. And I don't yeah. know if you always write your poems by hand as well. But yeah. what what is it about writing by hand that makes you that works for you? Um, I mean, one thing that's really crucial to me is that. You know, it does feel really useful, and I feel like I could see the thinking on the page in the essay. Uh, it feels really useful yeah. that the body is is as un how do you say it me, like is the the least mediation possible, and the body making the pen touch the paper to make the thing feels really valuable. It feels Ooh, like you yes. know there's something more embodied on the page, um, yes. mm. and particularly when thinking about you know, these essays, which are, I think, deeply embodied inquiries and stuff, it feels really useful. It's also really useful, and I have a little essay in there that talks about writing by hand. It's also really useful to have, for me, it's a beautiful archive to see all the scratch outs and all the sort of ways, the maps of thinking. That to me is beautiful. Like if I see a friend's writing and I see like all the arrows and the way that they do their Mm -hmm. thinking, that's like, stunning art to me and i like looking at how i did it like oh yeah i was thinking that and oh yeah it's not just the final perfect one it's like you see all the steps that it took you to get get there yeah i think sometimes of like the way that we can just delete on computers like there's this whole archive of our thinking that gets disappeared and that that feels a little like i mean whatever but it, it it's i like the i like to have the archive that's so interesting. Well, um, Ross, before we let you go, um, we like to ask all of our guests if they have a concrete, manageable uh, resolution, a try this at home idea that listeners can try, um, something that's worked for you um, in your own desire to be happier, healthier, more productive, more creative, to have more delight in your life. Um, do you have any suggestions? Um, I think probably um, know your neighbors and and really, I think probably... Um, studying what we can share. I like that. Study what we can share. That's that's a good title for something. Yes, mm. and know your neighbors. That, that's that's a great, that packs a punch. Mm. Uh, well, thank you, Russ, so much for joining us. Um, it's great to talk to you about the Book of Delights, one of my all-time favorite title names. Ah, cool. Thanks so much. It was really fun talking to you. Thank you. Thanks, okay. Ross. Bye-bye. Coming up, Gretchen has a gold star for someone who was a very important part of her life. But first, the spring. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. 
Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, of course, we at The Happier Podcast are huge fans of our fellow podcaster, Chris Guillebeau, um, the brilliant multi-time New York Times bestselling author, and of course, the host of the terrific podcast, Side Hustle School, um, which is part of the Onward Project, the family of podcasts that I do about how to make your life better. Um, And Chris has a new book that's just coming out, and it is so gorgeous. It's called 100 Side Hustles. Unexpected Ideas for Making Extra Money Without Quitting Your Day Job. And this is something different for Chris because it is a gorgeous book. It's all color. Um, It's profiles of 100 side hustles, but it has beautiful photographs, all kinds of bullet points and beautiful text and colors. It's a really rich, dynamic book. So if you are looking to get excited and inspired for your side hustle, check out 100 Side Hustles from Chris Gillibo. You will not be disappointed. Okay, Gretch, it is time for demerits and gold stars. But this week, we are just doing um, one big gold star, and it's your gold star for Frida. Yes. Um, I just wanted to take a minute to talk about something huge that happened in my personal life to someone who's incredibly important to me and my family. Uh, Frida Richardson died. So Frida was our longtime babysitter. We've known her for 20 years um, she was a huge personality. She was so energetic, so friendly. She was busy with a thousand things. Yes. Uh, she was 85 years old. Um, she looked about 60. Um, I kept telling her that she should submit herself to science because people were constantly astonished. She was very vain about how long, young she looked and acted. Yeah. Um, so it was really a huge shock to all of us. Um, she had gone into the hospital and Judy and Eleanor saw her and they were laughing and talking and Eleanor brought her an orchid and they looked at pictures of Eliza and I was out of town. But I'm like, I'll see you if you're still there in the hospital when I get back. I mean, we really thought um, she was super, um, just super healthy. Um, so it was um, really was a shock. Um, and um, but I'm so thankful that Eleanor and Judy got to see her while she was still conscious. Yeah. I got to see her. Um, but at that point, um, she was not conscious. I saw her a couple of times. Um, I was traveling on my book tour, so I just couldn't get there. And I, and I just really didn't have a sense of urgency because right. I, I can't even, I thought she would outlive everybody. Um, but, you know. Well, she, she was such a force of nature. She, oh, and, such a force of nature. So active and dynamic. Oh, I mean, she did the diabetes walk a couple months ago. Um, and yeah. she had retired, but we saw her all the time. She would come over and make her famous meatballs. <laughs> I mean, Ross Gay was just talking about know your neighbors. I mean, Frida knew everyone. It was like it was like a running joke in our household how they're the guy in the grocery store and the ladies who work at the flower shop down on the end of the street and this person walking their dog. Like everybody's like, hey, Frida. I mean, she knew yeah. she knew her neighbors. Um, and she was just such a huge part of our happiness, like just her indomitable goodwill and her cheerfulness and she never let anybody down. She she was just she 
she had a heart full of love. And um, I, I still am kind of in this thing where I keep thinking, you know, where you kind of half think something and then you realize, wait a minute, I'm not going to see. Her. I was like, oh, Eliza's no. coming home from college. We got to call her. And then it's like, no, we can't. You know, it's 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 still sort of it's still something that we're all taking in. But um, I just wanted to recognize her. And uh, she had she had many challenges in her life. And she was a person who um, was just. Uh, just a wonderful, wonderful person that we will always remember and always treasure in memory. Yeah, and I think Frida would have liked, though, that she was healthy and then and then she was gone. She yes. didn't have months of pain no, and she decline. Didn't. No, and, I think and, she and thought she was be in bed. Yeah, she thought like this is I'm going to get out in a day or two, and then it was like yeah. in the middle of the night, everything kind of went south. So yeah, she was very, very independent, like a million things going on. So. So, yes. But so farewell to Frida. You are a huge part of my family's happiness. You will you will always be part of our happiness. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember, try this at home. Step off the cliff. Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you. Thank you to Ross Gay. His book of essays is The Book of Delights. Thank you to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, our engineer, Bob Tabador, and everyone at Cadence 13. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I am at Elizabeth Kraft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. If you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Um, the resources. Again, if you um, if you have only listened to podcasts and you wonder what Elizabeth and I look like, or you want to watch clips from the PBS Plug show that we recorded. Watch us jump off a cliff. Yes, watch us jump off that cliff. See what you think. Um, you can see clips at pbs.org slash Gretchen Rubin. And to watch the full show live, check your local listings or ask your local PBS station if they will be airing it in early June. Again, that's pbs.org slash Gretchen Rubin. And if you're reading one of my books in uh, a book group, like The Four Tendencies or Happiness Project, um, if you go to GretchenRubin.com slash resources, you can download a free PDF of the group discussion guides for any of my books. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and Upward. Gretch, um, we love talking about whimsy. Maybe we need to do a book of whimsy. A book of whimsy. I love it. Lord Peter Whimsy. <laughs> From the Onward Project. <laughs>